As Christian people, we are those who have riches from poverty. One of the greatest ever Christian writers published a book with one of the greatest ever titles. The author was John Bunyan. And the title of his book, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And typical of men of his time, the title actually goes on for quite a few more words after that in smaller print underneath. But that's the main title, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. One of the greatest titles by one of the greatest writers. Now those words, of course, that he used in the title of his book are drawn from the scriptures. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 is where the Apostle Paul remarks that grace abounds much more than sin. Well, that's just as well that it does. And in 1 Timothy 1.15, that's where Paul regards himself to be the chief of sinners. I wonder what thoughts run through your mind when you think of those two verses. What about Paul regarding himself to be the chief of sinners? Now we know the actions and intentions of Saul of Tarsus as he was known before his conversion. Uh, they were probably very difficult and painful for Paul to bring back to his mind. But actually probably they were always there. When he speaks of his credentials as an apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 15... It seems there that he has an overwhelming sense of just how inappropriate it can seem that God would choose him to be an apostle, given that he was one who previously had persecuted the church. The chief of sinners. I wonder, as you read those words of Paul and you hear him say that he reckons he is the chief of sinners, I wonder if you find yourself kind of under your breath thinking, well, yes, Paul, perhaps you are. Or do you find yourself shaking your head as you whisper to yourself, no, Paul, that would be me. That would be me. But in the very next verse there, Paul can only confess, but by God's grace, I am what I am. That phrase, I am what I am, for some of you of a certain generation, it might bring to mind a song that has, through the years, been very popular for some. It begins with these words, I am what I am, I am my own special creation. Well, there's the world for you. Not much grace to be found in those words, is there? I am what I am. I am my own special creation. And the world laps it up and applauds it. No grace there. But here in the Christ of the Bible, this is where grace is to be found. By God's grace, Paul could say, I am what I am. Unmerited, 
unearned, undeserved favour from God towards sinners. That's what all of us as Christians have in common. We've all received as sinners something that none of us deserved. And there is no one here who can say under their breath, but I was a bit closer to it than you were. No one can think that way. No one can think of themselves less deserving of God's grace or of being in need of less grace than someone else. If you find yourself thinking, but clearly they were a greater sinner than me, then I worry over your real spiritual state. At the heart of the gospel is grace abounding to the chief of sinners. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 at verse 9, we have this very simple statement which contains three truths of unimaginable magnitude and importance. Christ was rich, but Christ became poor so that you might become rich. Let's take some moments to think about each of those truths. First of all, Paul says that though he was Jesus, though he was rich, let's think about Christ's riches. In what ways was Jesus rich? How was Jesus rich? What does Paul mean when he says that he was rich? Well, all that he was before his incarnation, as we read earlier in the opening verses of John and Hebrews, is what Paul means by Jesus was rich. Everything that Christ was, he's always been the infinite and eternal God, co-equal with the Father and the Spirit. And so as such, he's self-existent, self-sustaining. One who is in need of nothing outside of himself. Now there is richness. To be in need of nothing outside of himself. One reigning from everlasting to everlasting in absolute authority. The creator. He was not a created being. And he had the resources and the power and the authority to make from nothing everything that has been made. He's the origin and the giver of life. He holds the keys of life and death. He has fashioned all of your days, as we reminded ourselves last week, even before we existed. He fashioned every single day of yours. And as God, he has perfect and sinless attributes in infinite measure. Well, we can begin by naming a few of them, love and grace and holiness and righteousness and goodness and truth and wisdom and on and on the list goes. And he has all of those attributes all of the time and each of them in infinite measure. 
That is the richness of Christ. Those are the riches of Christ. The riches of Christ lie in his person and in his nature and in his character and in his attributes as the second person of the Godhead. And as such, he was to be worshipped by the holy angels. Now here are angels, pure, apart from those that fell, pure, sinless beings. But nothing in the presence of Christ. He is the highest being that ever was, ever has been, ever will be. These are his riches. Now this is an altogether different understanding and measure of riches than that which the unbelieving world considers to be riches. These are riches on another plane entirely. These are riches of an altogether different type and category. Has your mind been renewed to be as Christ's mind so that the riches that you seek are no longer the world's riches? Because they are not riches to you anymore. But now instead you seek those riches which are in Christ, which are of a whole different magnitude and order altogether. The riches of Christ is what the Christian seeks after. What an important issue that is. Now the alternative to that you see is to find that it is the world's riches which still dominate. They dominate in your thinking. They dominate in your plans. They dominate in all your ambitions. They dominate in every area of your life. The world's riches are what are marking you out and moving you and motivating you. Whereas for those who are the Lord's now, it's not those riches that we're interested in anymore. They are nothing. This is going to be Paul's testimony as we continue through Philippians 3 next Sunday morning, should the Lord, the Lord spare us to meet together. All of those worldly things that Paul once reveled in, he counts them all as loss if it means he can have Christ. Because these riches in Christ far, far outweigh anything he thought he used to have. Here is the grace that God has shown us. It has to do with these riches which are of a far higher measure than we could ever imagine. And it's those riches which Christ had and has. This grace that God has shown to us begins in this way. First of all, though he was rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor. So the Lord Jesus Christ has gone from riches to poverty. Well, we've considered his riches. So what is his poverty? Well, his riches was that glory that he had before the world was made. 
his riches was being in the form of God and being equal with God, being God. His becoming poor was giving himself and emptying himself from those things. Not that he stopped to be God. He he didn't cease being God. But he was willing for a time to lay aside his riches, if you will. It's a bit like the picture of a king. Some of you know the the story of the prince and the pauper. The prince wanted to know what it was like to be out in the real world and swap places with the pauper. The king who comes out of the palace dressed in ordinary clothes, but actually less than ordinary clothes, dressed in rags, to go and mix with the lowest of society, to, to find out what it's like to live there, to live like that. That's the kind of picture in terms of leaving aside his riches that he might become poor. It's not that he's ceased to be the king. It's not that he has ceased to be God, but he has voluntarily laid aside the riches which are rightfully his and willingly and voluntarily embraced poverty for you and I. The poverty of Christ in his incarnation. What it was for him as this great, eternal, infinite God to be confined inside the body of a man. And he came all the way down, 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 down came Christ, down to earth and even down to the most cruel and shameful death at Calvary. Down came Christ. And so we read in the scriptures, he was born of a woman. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. When he had come to the cross, We read that he is the word become flesh. This is his poverty. He's made a little lower than the angels for a while. Now just think of it. Remember the picture that Isaiah had of the holy angels covering their eyes because they dare not look upon his face. Even though the angels are sinless beings, they dare not gaze upon the brightness of God. Holy, 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 thrice holy, the three who are God. And there the angels worshipping God. And then the scriptures say that he has made himself lower than the angels. This is Christ's poverty. Become flesh. He's, for a time he's laid aside the exercising of his deity. That he's always had from all of eternity past. Now in his earthly ministry we see some, some clear glimpses of his deity don't we? We see some glimpses of his power and his authority. And yet for the most part, he didn't have a home to live in that he could call his own. He lived a frugal, simple life. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty. He knew what pain and suffering was all about. He knows what it's like to be tempted to sin, although he himself never sinned. He he left being face to face with his father, taking on human form. And in some ways, nowhere is it better explained than some of those verses that we've been studying recently in the the letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. We read there, don't we? Who, being in the form of God, this one who is God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but 
made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And Paul writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 there says, this is Jesus who was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He made himself poor for you. He came all the way down to humanity. He suffered all that men suffer. He's been touched with all the feelings of our infirmities and he went all the way to death. It's that that's on Paul's mind when he says that Christ was rich and yet for you he became poor. So the eternal God, who is rich, becomes poor, humbled into human flesh, killed, executed at the cross of Calvary. That's his poverty. And for our sake, he did it. For your sake, he did it. Now, probably as you've read your history books or maybe even reading your newspapers, you've, you've seen people who've taken a great tumble from a very high place. Uh, sometimes it's through no fault of their own. Sometimes it's all their own doing. Sometimes it's because of their own sinfulness that the fall has come. But they've taken this very great fall from such a position of prestige and honour and a position of reputation uh, and down, down, down they've fallen and, and their reputation is shattered and their reputation is in pieces uh, and it all lies in tatters and, and people think, wow, what a fall that is. What, how far he's come. Well, those kinds of things pale into insignificance when we consider how Christ has come from all of his riches down into his poverty. And he's done it of his own accord. He's done it willingly and gladly and he's done it for our sakes. He's done it for your sake. We've just shared the Lord's Supper together and in Paul's instructive teaching in 1 Corinthians, we have there recorded Christ's own words, this is my body which is broken for you. That's his poverty, that he has come from his glory, laid, been willing and ready to lay aside all the glory of his riches in order that he might seek and save the lost. This is the grace of the gospel, that Christ, though he is rich, has become poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. What are the Christian's riches? If you're a Christian, you've been made rich. It's the word of the scriptures. You've been made rich. What are your riches? Well, Paul says, doesn't he, it, that it's for you, it's for your sake that Jesus has done this. To make poor sinners 
rich. Materially rich. Rich in the world's eyes. The world which says, I am what I am. I am my own special creation. Riches that are agreeable to a mind and a heart like that? No, not at all. The heart that sings those kinds of words really can't understand these riches. The heart that wants to sing those kinds of words wants nothing to do with these kinds of riches. It doesn't esteem them, it doesn't value them as being of any worth. You're made spiritually rich. You are made to be eternally rich in Christ. With what riches? Well, actually, with the same riches that he possessed and possesses. Because the Bible says that you are a co-heir with Christ. You share in the inheritance which is his. And you, in Christ Jesus, you become rich in salvation. You become rich in forgiveness and in joy and in peace, and in life, and in light, and in hope, and in glory. So rich that the Bible says you are a joint heir with Christ, sharing with him in everything that he has. The Bible says that you have a promised inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled, that no one will ever be able to take from you. It will never lose its value. How many things have people invested in, in this world and in this life? And it's come to nothing. There was a report just the other day of people who've been buying properties abroad and people who've been, been buying homes for their pension. And they were sold that property on the understanding that it would soar in value and one day they'd be able to sell it and they'd have a huge pot of money to sink into their bank balance and they'll happily live their retirement on it, and that property has gone down, down, down in value, and all of their plans have gone to pot. That will never, ever happen with these riches that you have in Christ. It's an inheritance that will never devalue. It will never turn sour. It will never go wrong. It will not fade away and it is laid up for you in heaven. Treasure in heaven is how Jesus called it. Build up treasures in heaven. Eternity in his glorious presence and sustained by his wisdom, love and power forever. He himself will be the brightness of the sun in the sky. That's the richness that you have in Christ. And it's that we might become rich because in our sin we are unimaginably destitute. Unimaginably poor. So poor that we have to come as beggars to God. We have nothing. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they have nothing. Nothing to commend ourselves to God. We're as poor as poor can be before the living God. But Christ has come to make us rich. And to make us as rich as he is. Because we share with him in all that Christ is.
if the riches of Christ is in part him being God. Our riches is that we are made to be like him. We are made to be like him. Our riches is that the very life of God dwells in us. The very life of Christ dwells in us. This is our riches. We live, yes, yet Christ lives in us. In the Christian, it's hard to know where where we end and where he begins. We're the possessors of the eternal life of God. We're being made like him even now. And one day in the future, we will be made completely in his image. We'll reflect his glory. And all that he has will be ours. It's a wonderful thing. In, uh, In 1 Corinthians, in the opening chapter there, we read these great words. This is what Paul says to the believers there. 1 Corinthians 1. At verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him. You have been enriched in everything by Christ. They're the riches that God has given you. And then over in chapter 3 of the same letter at verse 22, we read these words there. Well, let's begin at verse 21. Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. These are the riches that you are given in Christ Jesus because he first became poor for you. Everything is ours. We are now rich. We're joint heirs. We reign with him. We're rich in position, we're rich in privilege, we're rich in relationship because we are now children of the living God. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everything there is that can be a blessing to us, we have in Christ. God holds nothing back. Those riches have nothing whatsoever to do with bank balances or salaries or the postcode of your house or having more than one house or where you go on holiday. These riches far surpass and exceed those kinds of things and these riches are completely independent of those kinds of things. You can be a beggar on the street and still have all of these riches. And it was by his poverty that Jesus has made us rich. And going back to one of the themes that we looked at this morning about the Christian's joy and the things that we rejoice in, well, here shortly is a big part of the answer. Our joy lies in these riches which we now have in Christ. Have you seen lottery winners? Have you seen the pictures of them in the newspapers? Have you seen them on the television? Have you seen their rejoicing? Because they've struck it big. And what do they think to themselves as they hold up their check with all those zeros on the end? They think they have it all. And how they rejoice. And yet you know as well as I do that for most of them, within a very few years, their whole world lies in ruins and all the money is gone. The Christian does have it all in Christ and how we are to rejoice because of that 
Such is his love, such is his mercy, and such is his grace. This is the message of the gospel. It's all about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the fact that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. That's the message of the gospel. And that is yours. Can be yours this evening if it never has been before. In the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will but turn to him. The one who became poor for you. That you might have everything your soul will ever need. In Christ. We'll sing a hymn to close.